Hello, and welcome to The Wardroom, a podcast dedicated to the leadership development of the U.S. Navy's engineering duty officers. I'm your host, Lieutenant Commander Matthew Horton. Today on the podcast, we are joined by Rear Admiral Doug Small. Admiral Small is currently serving as the Program Executive for Integrated Warfare Systems. He has recently been confirmed for his second star and named as the next commander for Naval Information Warfare Systems Command. So grab a cup of coffee and join us in the wardroom. Admiral Small, first off, congratulations, sir, and uh, welcome to the wardroom. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. So we'd like to begin by asking you to share a little bit about your leadership philosophy and if you have any words of wisdom for our audience. Sure. Um, I guess I'll just start with, uh, you know, leadership at, um, at, at, at all levels. And what I would say is, you know, leaders are needed, um, you know, now as, as much or if not more than ever, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, reentering or, you know, now, you know, firmly in the midst of uh, great power competition with, uh, you know, specifically China and Russia, um, you know, budget issues continuing, um, you know, trying to recapitalize so much of our, our fleet at the same time, um, you know, trying to get after sort of all three legs of our nuclear triad. Uh, we're in the midst, obviously, of a global pandemic that's, you know, changing, um, you know, everything from how we do our our business to how we sustain our fleet, to how we operate our ships and submarines. Um and then, of course, we have the, the you know, w- w- when we all got to witness the, the murder of uh, George Floyd, we've, you know, come face to face with some, you know, uncomfortable um, racial bias issues that we absolutely have to uh, address head on. Um, you know, finding out that we uh, we have a whole a whole um, a whole lot of our teammates have kind of been living with, uh, with these, um, you know, biases for, for some time. And it's something that we have to, um, you know, get after head on. And that's certainly something the Navy's, uh, not shying away from and, and certainly nor, nor are we, uh, in this PEO or as your, uh, engineering duty officer leadership. So, uh, leaders needed, uh, you know, technically, uh, leaders needed for, um, uh, for our people as well. Um, because the thing is, is at the end of all of this, whether it's the competition or coming through the budget or any of these other issues, we still have to maintain the world's uh, greatest Navy and Marine Corps team. So that's a it's a heavy uh, heavy burden on the on our uh, community. Um, so kind of switching into sort of my part of the of the engineering duty officers, we we um, you know we're basically program managers in. Uh, in the PEOs and myself being, you know, both kind of, I kind of straddled the, the, uh, cannon cockers and the information warfare team. And, you know, for us, what we do is we grow program managers. That's our, that's our command. And so I, I usually give this talk to, um, you know, people that are aspiring to be it. It's kind of like what, as a PEO, what do I look for, uh, in a program manager? And, and the first thing for me is, is passion. It's that sort of fire in the belly that, you know, desire to win the, the, um, you know, just, just getting after the, the business of being a program manager. Um, I expect PMs, um, to be the smartest person in the war, in the room. And that doesn't mean that maybe, you know, there's some, you know, stump the chump type question that they may not know, or they may have to look up, but, you know, by and large, um, that person has to have command of their, 
uh, program or in many cases, portfolio programs, uh, absolute command of it. Uh, you got to know your numbers. You have to, you have to be able to execute, execute, execute. And when I mean numbers, I mean, you got to understand that technical, uh, underpinnings, the technical requirements, all of your financial contractual, everything, um, it all has to come together with the PM and you have to know those numbers and you have to know them cold. Um, I expect our PMs to be expert in their profession, meaning I want them to understand what's in the DOD 5000 and all those other things and really understand kind of what drives our, our um, corner of this profession, because I want them to understand everything that's available for them to get their job done. Not necessarily as a checkbook, a checklist, um, but as a, a way of understanding, um, you know, just sort of how to get things done. And then the last thing is this, you know, Secretary Gertz calls it an abundance mindset. What I, the way I talk about it is I expect PMs to get things done despite the system. It's really easy to sit back and say, oh my gosh, you know, I took another mark or, you know, this, this, uh, you know, person wants another briefing on this, that, or the other, you know, so, you know, getting, getting ideas, you know, through the Pentagon or, you know, um, you know, through the Congress is, is tough business, but using an, an abundance mindset, I expect people to get stuff done despite it. And that's, that's kind of what I'm looking for, um, in program managers. Yes, sir. Well, thank you. Um, so now, Admiral, I think we're going to roll into some questions that we've been getting from the engineering duty officer community. And actually, the first one we have, I think, is a good tie-in uh, with regards to you know comments about PMs being the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a lot of questions up from the EDOs about the necessity of getting a technical master's degree. You know, would you mind explaining the purpose behind that requirement and, and why it's so important that we uh, we do have that strong technical background? Sure. You know, and it, it kind of starts with uh, something, you know, one of my mentors, um, Admiral Page, told me a long time ago is that, you know, we're naval officers first. And um, and a naval officer means uh, a leader, right? So you're a leader. Um, and you, in, in the engineering duty community, you're expected to lead, you know, teams of of smart people to solve really hard problems. Um, but it's about leadership. It's not, um, it's not specific to, you know, the degree that you get, but we require a certain level of technical training in order to make sure that, you know, you're, you're able to lead that team of, of, uh, you know, people to solve hard problems. Um, and that's, you know, whether it's a master's or, or as a PhD, usually this question is asked in the sense of, you know, when will I be able to use my degree? Um, it turns out that, you know, the Navy has uh, in the labs, you know, scores of people that have been studying your field for, you know, in some cases, many dozens of years. Um, that's the person that you, you end up having to lead, not necessarily pull out your slide rule and go toe to toe doing, you know, solving, uh, you know, partial differential equations with them. It's all about leadership. So naval officer first, but you're a technical leader um, solving some really hard problems uh, on behalf of the Navy. So, you know, our, our answer to that is, um, you know, getting a, a technical master's degree, sometimes even a PhD or, you know, an engineer's degree, something to that effect. Um, 
just to kind of get you that the at least the you know a base educational training on on solving hard problems because that's that's what we ask you to do is lead people to solve hard problems well thank you sir that's uh you know it's enlightening it's good to hear um so our, our next question is uh one having do to do with readiness and you kind of had mentioned to you know the return to great power competition um, so in that context, and also, you know, keeping in, the, in mind the, the, the competition conflict spectrum, can you speak to the importance of the fight tonight concept and how we as engineering duty officers stay plugged into the operational fleet? Sure. Um, and I'll start, I'll kind of um, kind of pull it up a level to discuss, you know, just sort of um, you know, leadership in this uh, environment, and it it does kind of flow from this great power competition. And and uh, you know, the 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 first notion is that strategy has to drive prioritization of resources. Um, you know, we uh, a, a knee jerk reaction of people when a new strategy comes along is to show everybody um, what you're already doing and how it fits with their new strategy. And leadership is actually about changing what you're doing to fit the new strategy. Um, in this case, our strategy is all about a great power competition um, in alignment with the national defense strategy, the Navy strategy uh, designed for maintaining maritime superiority, the leader development framework. Um, all of that is in alignment with, with delivering the, the toughness and tenacity, the systems, the ships, everything required to get after this um, great power competition. Um, we have, uh, um, you know, sailors in harm's way right now. Um, it, it just, you know, read, read the, read the, read the paper. I recommend the economist kind of looking ahead to, you know, maybe a book recommendation, but just see what's going on in the South China sea, you know, up in the high North where we're operating up there. Um, in the Black Sea, certainly in the Mediterranean, the Eastern Med, our sailors are in harm's way right now. Um, you know, basically taking it to any would-be adversaries 24-7, and they absolutely deserve our best. So, um, you know, fight tonight, um, for me, means that we don't leave any redundancy at the pier. So, you know, job one is we got to get the ships and submarines underway, right? And so, you know, CNO's number one priority, NAVC's number one priority, on-time delivery of ships, submarines, and systems. Um, it's absolutely, you know, step one in fight tonight is be able to get underway. We don't have enough ships and submarines to, to answer every, um, you know, desire for ships all over the world. Um, the ones we do have, we have, to, we have to make sure that they get out there. And that also includes, you know, sailors need to be trained. Uh, especially in this, you know, pandemic, we're learning a whole lot about how much more self-sufficient we need to be. Um, and that that falls on us too, right? To deliver training materials and and everything else. So, uh, a lot of work going on there. Um, we try to drive CAS reps to zero. You know, before before strike groups deploy, they want no CAS reps, and we try to back that up so that even at their you know major exercises and their buildups, that the systems just plain work. Uh, so they can train on the systems as a strike group and not have to worry about uh, maintenance and, and repair um, while operating. 
um, it's so for us, that's, that's a big, that's a big part of what we do here in, um, in IWS because we have, um, a lot of, you know, cradle to grave responsibility over our, over the systems. Um, other aspects is expeditionary logistics, right? We, we sort of got kind of into this mode of, you know, go park our ships in a, in an op area and, you know, send strikes into land, um, that's not the way we operate anymore. So we're back to, you know, things like dynamic force employment and things like that are changing the way we can deliver parts and, um, tech assists and everything else. So, um, we have to be much more expeditionary in our mindset and there's, you know, a whole lot of stuff going on there, but, um, you know, we have, we have to be constantly questioning how are we going to get the support required forward, um, to keep our, uh, ships and systems and sailors operating. Um, so, you know, for engineering duty officers, what does that mean? Uh, you know, I think the first thing it means is, you know, what are, what are we doing? Um, what are you doing to actually deliver on that number one priority? Um, you know, Vice Admiral Moore used to talk about, Hey, if you're the person that's accepting the one day slip and finishing something and that, you know, kind of, um, you know, cascades into the, into the next effort, then we're part of the problem, right? We need to be questioning absolutely everything, um, and, and delivering these things on time. So I think we all need to kind of look at what are we doing as individuals, as engineering duty officers, this is our bread and butter. What are we doing, um, to meet that number one CNO and NAVC priority of, of on-time delivery? So I think that's, that's one thing that we can all do. And again, it's bread and butter. This is not this is every single one of our, um, you know, mentor groups. It's, it's all of us. Um, all of us have a, a part to play in that. Um, the second thing I think is, is sort of in the why part, you know, I, I think, you know, there's a little bit of motivation that comes from understanding why it is. And I think that's a really important for us to stay connected with the operating fleet, you know, especially as you, as you move up, as an engineering duty officer, the more senior you get, you need to keep an eye on what are your peers doing? When you're a commander, keep in mind, your peers are commanding destroyers at sea, going toe to toe with would be adversaries. Um, we have to stay connected to that. We have to understand, you know, what's their environment? How are they using our systems? How are they using the ships and the submarines and everything else? And so we just, it's, it's really incumbent on us to, to stay connected. And it's, it requires active um, involvement. You can't, nobody's going to come to you and say, hey, did you see what this strike group uh, did? You have, you're going to have to reach out for things like post-deployment briefs, um, things like that. So it's, it's really critical that we stay connected with, with the operating fleet. Uh, you know, touch, touch the, 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 we have a lot of people that are on the you know, various um, you know, fleet staffs, TICOM staffs, uh, you know, PAC fleet staff fleet forces those people have uh you know are really tuned into what's going on and so use them as a resource to to stay connected but it's 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 critical because how we operate our navy is changing changing very rapidly um and trust me when they're deployed they are thinking about fighting tonight so we need to be we need to be uh you know geared up for that well admiral uh last question for you and in mm-hmm. fact, you you mentioned the Economist earlier, but uh, I'm going to broaden the aperture a little bit and, and incorporate uh, you know other resources. But you know, what have you read lately, or that you've really enjoyed, or do you have any other book recommendations or other resource recommendations for the EDO community? Yeah, I think um, you know I you know one of the things that I um, 
that I took on as the uh, is the sort of leadership development framework uh, champion within the within the flag wardroom. And um, you know, one of the one of the things that we have going on is uh, we have a book club, for example. So I, I don't want to you know stray too far with my book recommendations, but I'd say the the last. So we had one going within the Canococcus for some time and, and read a few books there. Um, the last one that we just finished up was called Freedom's Forge. Uh, I think it should be required reading for every engineering duty officer. Uh, it's a pretty incredible story of you know how business uh, came together to to become essentially uh, the arsenal of democracy. It's an incredible story um, of you know how a few people can make a huge difference, but also how amazing our um, ability is to mobilize. So that was a that was a that was a great read. Uh, there was also some good. Um, sort of uh, trust and confidence themes that that kind of went through there that kind of lead directly back to, you know, leader development, which is kind of the reason why we're doing the, the uh, EDO book club. But um, it was, that was a, that was a great read. And right now we're, we've just started a, a book and the, um, the IW, um, the IW uh, mentor group is leading a book called super forecasting. So all about, you know, probability and statistics and, you know, how do you, how do you make better um, better forecasts? So those are those are a couple of recommendations. My main recommendation is you know check out the book club. It's on Slack. It's it's easy enough to do. You connect with the, you know the rest of the community and, and read some good books. Um, as far as staying connected with you know kind of what's going on in the world, I really recommend The Economist. Um, it's a it's a weekly. It's tough to get through the whole thing because there's just a lot in it. But um, you know there's a digital version of it. Uh, but it really um, it will really show you what's what's going on in the world and you know just just look at things like you know the the recent clash between india and china um you know the things that china's doing in the south china sea the bullying that they're doing you know they sank a fishing vessel um you know there's just so much going on in the world um it's a it's a great place to to um you know, kind of stay on top of, of all of that. And, you know, I just use the examples of China, but it's, it's really a, sort of all over the world. Um, I'd just like to um, kind of finish up if I could with, with a couple of kind of closing thoughts. Um, you know, I, I, I think everybody ought to, you know, take a look at, and I know this is about leadership at all levels, but I think there's a, you know, the, when you look at the leader development framework, there's a, you know, these three sort of, key tenants in there of, you know, competence, character, and connections, and the development of each of those uh, in the individual. And there's a document called the charge of command that everybody who, you know, puts a command pin on gets to uh, usually assign it as a page 13 or something like that. Um, and, you know, it, it really kind of ties together these these various concepts. Um but, you know, one of the things that's, you know, highlighted in, in the latest version that's in the, the Navy's leader development framework is a commander's competence and character lead to trust and confidence. And so, you know, when we when we ask people or frankly demand people, especially engineering duty officers, when we demand the leadership to say, hey, what am I doing to make sure that I'm delivering on time? There has to be a certain amount of trust and confidence in the entire organization that you are going to do that, that you have the competence um, to, to carry that out and that, you know, you're, you're trustworthy and all that sort of stuff. Um, 
So again, competence and character, um, you know, lead to trust and confidence um, in your ability to lead. So really, really important uh, tenants. And then of course, connections, you know, making sure that, that we're all, um, you know, also bigger than sort of just this part of our lives, right? Making sure that we're connected um, to the rest of the communities and, and whatnot and, you know, how we define ourselves. So uh, a lot of good stuff in the leader development framework, but directly related to our ability to uh, do mission command uh, throughout the Navy. So anyways, with that, um, turn it back over to you. Yes, sir. Well, thank you, Admiral, again for joining us today, and we wish you good luck in your in your next assignment and fair winds following season. Hopefully, uh, COVID doesn't complicate your your trek out west too much, but uh, we hope to talk to you again in the future. All right. Thank you for joining us in the wardroom. Special thanks to our sound engineer, Lieutenant Andrew Rowling. If you have questions you would like our guests to answer, comments, or suggestions, you can email us at thewardroompodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to meeting again in The Wardroom.